0: Welcome to Coles on the Coast podcast, where we talk about riding the waves of sustainability, preparedness, and living the small homestead life. I'm Jessica. And I'm Charlie. And today we're going to be talking about a blackout kit.
1: What is a blackout kit, dear?
0: (laughs) A blackout kit um, is for whenever your power goes out. Yeah, but what's it Or dark. Well, I'm... It's for preparedness, so that's that's about where I've gotten with this subject. I think you're going to have to lead this one.
1: Okay, so we've all been in a situation where it's the middle of the night, the power goes out, the thunder strikes, the kids start screaming, and you've got to get up and scramble to their room to kind of comfort them. But because the power is out, you can't turn on any of the lights, and because you're not very prepared... You don't have a flashlight next to your bed, so now you're stumbling through the dark to get to your screaming and trying, like crying children, to comfort them. Well, a blackout kit is what you create and put together in order to not deal with those or not have to deal with that particular scenario that way. Um, So basically, a blackout kit consists of everything you need to. Create comfort and alleviate anxiety whenever the power's out. Um, now there there's several different things to this, that it's not just one box that's a kit, right? Um, you want to have basically several different stations set up throughout the house that allow you to use this kit effectively. One, you want to make sure that next to your bed, next to your wife's side of the bed. Maybe even in your kid's room, you've got a flashlight. That way, if the power goes out, you've got something that you can grab instantly and be able to see. Now, they they have this... uh, I don't know brand names, but they have flashlights that are basically standby nightlights. You Mm -hmm. plug it into the wall, and when the power goes out, the battery kicks on in the device, and it starts shining. So, all of a sudden, you've got a nightlight that's glowing... You can take it off the wall and use it as a flashlight to get around the house.
0: We had one of those growing up. It actually was a nightlight, too, like all the time.
1: Yeah. Um, But then, once you've got that particular thing down, then you go to the central location blackout kit. Now, this is where you have additional flashlights that run on batteries. Um, It's where you keep your batteries at. It's where you keep your candles, your lanterns, anything that you want to use with the, you know, because it's not ideal to use a flashlight on a table that runs on batteries to give room to or light to the whole room, right? You want to have either a candle or a safe indoor lantern for that. And you want to keep all of this together so you're not scrambling trying to find it. And then the third part of it, it would be your generator... And your home house um, power. And so you can do this several different ways. And I'll list them here. Then we'll go back and kind of talk about them. One way is to have a deep cell battery somewhere in your house. That you can put an adapter on. And maybe run a lamp. At least be able to... Well, I say a, a... Your deep cell battery works with an inverter. So you take and connect the inverter to the 12 volt, it'll produce 120 volts that you can run lamps off of or charge your phones off of. If you don't have a deep cell battery in your house with an inverter, you can use an inverter with your car. Go crank your car up, plug your inverter in, run an extension cord. Now you've got power from an external source and it'll run as long as the gas tank's full.
0: So this might sound kind of crazy and silly and stupid, but what is an inverter?
1: So an inverter is a device that takes a 12 volt DC power and changes it into 120 volt alternating current. Because you're the, your appliances in your house don't run on batteries. So they don't run on direct current. They run on what's called alternating current. And the inverter just converts that from one to the other. Okay. Um, it's basically what a generator does, right? So you you crank it. Gen- well, the generator is not an inverter; it's a generator because you crank it. It spins an armature inside, and then it produces electricity that's the correct frequency for your home. But that's the the other the third option for the whole external power ability is a generator and some way to connect it to your house whether it be extension cords or through a um like a what we have is a GenerLink, link which you can you start your generator and you plug it up like you would an rv and it gives you power to the house um but that's, that's that's the basic overall you have something in your bedroom to get you to the central location which then allows you to light the house and then get you to your generator or inverter that way you, you've got a you know, multi-step process that you can build on so you don't have to ha- go out and buy a generator and then have the whole house running. But you can have a flashlight, then you can buy you some candles and a lantern, then you can buy you an inverter or a generator.
0: Okay, so we don't have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars right away. We can just kind of get started small.
1: No, but if you can do that, there's no reason not to, right? We, we don't want to take and say, oh, well... I've got the money, I could buy a generator, I know it will benefit me, but I'd rather just buy a battery-powered lantern and a one pack of batteries right now because I don't feel like spending the money, even though it's there and it's allotted for these purposes.
0: Yeah, because the generator's going to do more for you if you buy the right one than just lighting up some lights, Well, if you
1: take care of it. It doesn't really matter which one you buy. Harbor Freight makes generators. They work. Um, all these different brands make generators and they work, but you have to take care of it and maintain it. Otherwise, it doesn't do you any good.
0: Mm.
1: So we talked about the bedside flashlight, right? You, you have one by your bed. Pick your favorite flashlight. Make sure you try it out and use it every once in a while to make sure the batteries are good. And maybe buy some of those flashlight nightlight things because those are pretty useful. I don't personally have any of those, um, but it, it, it's something... look into. The second part would be your central location. So a few things to consider in this spot are additional flashlights. What kind of flashlights do you have? Are they incandescent or are they LED? Because they've kind of quit making incandescent flashlights, but you can still find them at the dollar store or whatnot. They usually run off of C cell batteries or D cell batteries. And because of the nature of the light bulb, they tend to draw a lot more power, and so your batteries don't go nearly as long. So maybe LED is a better option. But well, when you go to LEDs, you need to get a high quality flashlight, or you run the risk of your LEDs burning out.
0: Yeah, we had that problem with buying the little ones for the kids, and they smash them up, and the LEDs pop like either pop out, or they just go out real fast.
1: Yeah. Because the, the LEDs are basically a circuit. And if the circuit's cheap, of course, it's not going to last. And then you, you need to think about, with all of that, what batteries are you going to use? So it's always easier to standardize your batteries for your flashlights than it is to have multiple flashlights that fit multiple battery sizes. Right? So if you're going to have double A flashlights, you might as well just go in and get all double-A flashlights. Mm, That's a good point. Be um, intentional when you go and buy these things. That way you're not having to... Right? Because a pack of double-A's and a pack of triple-A's, that's more money on consumables and that's more confusion. Yeah. In a a blackout-type situation. Plus, if you're going to have rechargeable batteries, it's better to stick with one size or another.
0: Well, and too, if you think about it, like maybe you're not home when it happens and the babysitter has to do it. That makes it much easier for the kids or the babysitter to take care of the issues too. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, simplifying what you've got makes everything easier. Now, you can't always get away from using AAAs, right, because a lot of your remotes and stuff use AAAs. But if all your flashlights use AAs, and you have a specific, you know, a package of AA's in your blackout kit, you're not going to get stuff confused. Now, candles for lighting rooms, that's another thing that's useful. But there's some flaws and some issues to deal with with that. And this is from experience. So we had Hurricane Sally in 2020, and my daughter took and poured candle wax on her face.
0: And I mean, and she—this wasn't even like a low candle. This was high. She was high, she high up on the mantle. Have been able to get it.
1: She climbed up onto the mantle and tipped it over onto her face, and basically sealed her eye shut. She didn't burn her eye, thankfully, but the amount of wax that was holding her eyelids together was almost impossible to get off. So you have to consider that, especially if you have young kids, whether or not candles are going to be useful. And sometimes you got to think about what type of candle you're going to use. Are you going to use some big scented candle from Walmart that costs way too much money for what it is, or are you going to use some sort of I don't know tapered candle in a candlestick? But that makes mess too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what we actually what we did right before Sally hit, we went to the store and bought. Um, prayer candles from Walmart of course you know you can tell me that's sacrilege but in this situation it was useful because they're tall candles they've got plenty of wax in them they're not just going to burn out and they
0: work yeah it, it was mostly just to kind of get you into the room you were going to yeah and or just to use the bathroom because you know.
1: since they're a tall votive right you can hold the base of it not worry about getting the, the glass not going to get all the way hot And you can set it, you know, hold it in your hand, set it down. You're not worried about dripping wax everywhere. But the better option, and something that I don't have yet, is the UCO candle lanterns. Now these are they run on a stand, a like a specific candle that they sell, but you can buy cases of them, and it's spring loaded, so as it melts. It actually pushes the candle up further into the lantern to keep it from losing wax or keep wax from dripping out, and so that you can use up the whole candle. But it, what it does is it it's it collapses, so you can you, uh, if you haven't seen these, it's about I don't know four inches tall. You take and you grasp the base and then you pull up, and a globe comes out. Right? So it slides up and basically you have this globe and then you've got the candle in the bottom. You slide the glass down. You can light the candle, slide the glass back up. Now you've got a completely concealed candle system that you can carry with you. You're not worried about it blowing out. You can hang it up because it's got a nice little bale hanging on it with a hook. You can hang it in the room. You can see. It's just nice. And then when you're done, you blow it out. You close it up. And you put it away.
0: That's fascinating. (laughs)
1: Um, They also make, so they come with paraffin candles, but I don't personally like paraffin. I'd rather have beeswax if I'm going to burn something in the house. They also make beeswax for them. And you get six to eight hours of paraffin and eight to ten hours out of the beeswax, something like that. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's a good option and your kid's not going to spill it on his face if it tips over, there's so little wax in there, right? Because the the way it's set up is it's got a metal collar that sits around the the top of the candle. And that heats up and basically melts the candle to that shape. And so then as it melts, it constantly has pressure on it, and it's using up whatever wax is right there in that spot. So if you tip it over, you're only going to lose a little bit of wax, and it's going to put the candle out. It's not just going to keep burning sideways, right?
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um,
1: so so that's that portion. It's like your inverter and stuff. Now you, you might well, why would I need an inverter if it's just a blackout situation? Well, let's say that you forgot to put your phone on the charger. And now you can't call the, the power company to even let them know, or you can't call your family to see if the power is out across town. Because your phone's almost dead,
0: or you had a tornado and you had it going the whole time, and it's starting to die. or Yeah, that died. too. You've
1: been <laughs> you've been watching the news the whole time, making sure that you're not gonna get blown away, and now your phone won't work because it's dead. Well, if you've got an inverter and a battery, or an inverter and a car, or a generator, you can charge your phone back up. You can run a lamp. You know, maybe your candle doesn't put out enough light. Or the kids are too scared, you know. You can plug a lamp into it and turn it on. You don't have to worry about it quite as much. Um, especially if you have a generator, you need to make some coffee. Plug the coffee pot in, right?
0: Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good point too. Um, you could even you you could use an inverter like that when you go camping, I guess.
1: You can. The you have to make sure you had the right size, right? Because for a blackout kit, your inverter can be kind of small because you're going to run a lamp mm-hmm. or, you know, a phone charger. That's only going to pull, uh, like, 35 watts at the most, especially with, like, the LED lights. They're 5-watt, they're 40-watt equivalents or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't have to worry about it quite as much with those. But when you start getting into, like, coffee pots, that pulls, like, 1,500 watts. Because of the hot plate. Okay. And so you want to have something that can match that. That's when your generator comes into account. Because a generator can produce, you know, an upwards of 8,000 watts if you buy one that's built for that. So then you can run your freezers and all sorts of whatever with it. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, there, there are a couple of other things to consider in a blackout scenario that's not necessarily a blackout kit if you have freezers or refrigerators the best thing to do in a blackout is to not open them Mm -hmm. they are meant to hold cold in and to keep heat out so as long as you do not open them you will maintain the temperature in there for at least 4 or 5 hours freezers go a little bit longer um However, if your freezer does not have a lot in it, that temperature will increase more quickly. So a good thing to do with your freezers is as you use them, you know, we have this set up in our house where you've got three freezers. And theoretically, (laughs) you would use what you have in the first freezer. And then after you've emptied one, you consolidate into the other two. So you're maintaining a thermal battery in the freezer. But if you've just got one freezer in your house, and let's say you, you buy like a whole cow each year, if you've used up half of it, put some water in some plastic bottles. You know, ask around. There's plenty of people that drink Coca-Cola and, you know, Arizona iced tea and whatnot. Ask them for those bottles. Wash them out. Fill them full of water. Put them in the freezer and let them freeze.
0: If you really want to do yourself a favor, do pure uh, water, like filtered water, and then you can take it with you on trips or put it in your coolers when you go to picnics or whatnot, and you can just have that ready because it thaws out. Yes. So it's a, it's a double whammy.
1: But <laughs> you do that, and then you can build up a thermal battery inside your freezer. Then when the power goes out, take and throw a quilt or a blanket over the top. That way you can keep that gasket from leaking out any cold, right? You want to hold it in as good as you can, and that gasket's going to be the basically the weak point in the whole system. Mm-hmm. Um So that's that. Now, one other situation to think of, and this isn't for everybody, but in the winter time, if you have a blackout, you run the risk of having um, a hypothermia type situation if you're not prepared to have heat. Yeah. So if you've got a fireplace, you've got that covered. But in places where you don't have a fireplace,
0: Or if your fireplace is messed up and you haven't fixed it yet.
1: Yes. Um, A kerosene emergency heater is beneficial. Um, Because that way, I mean, you can use those inside the house just like you would a kerosene lamp. It puts out heat the same way a kerosene lamp does. It's got a wick in it. You pour the kerosene in. You hit the. It runs on two C cell batteries for the igniter. You ignite it. You adjust the flame, and then the heat it produces is collected by the, the globe around it, the metal shroud, and then that puts off heat. So you can stay nice and toasty with that in your living room. You know, It's not going to heat the whole house, but you can move everybody into living room and have one room that's warm.
0: Do you know, so on Facebook, after the Texas thing, where they had all their power grid shut down in the middle of winter and, you know, half the people were freezing... There was a circulating post going on about the terracotta pots being a heater. Do you know anything about that? Is that effective? or?
1: I've never tried it, but it works the same way that the kerosene heaters do. right? You're, you take a tea light candle and you put it under a terracotta pot, and the flame from that candle, which is safe to burn in the house, heats the pot and that puts off heat. Is it enough to keep you alive? I don't know. Probably not, right? But in a pinch, if you need to warm up, you know, get you some of those uh, mylar reflective thermal blankets, Mm -hmm. and then each person can have one of those and sit around this thing. As long as you've got it like a tent, it'll capture that heat and then reflect it back onto you, and then you've got your own body heat, so you're kind of...
0: Well, I saw, too, where some people were getting up underneath, like, the dining room table and putting a bed underneath there. And then throwing a blanket over the top, or even just part of the way throwing it over part of it, just to keep tra- trap your body heat in one area so you can be nice and warm. And I know that would work because if you've ever slept in a double bunk bed, like a full size bunk bed, it gets so hot on the bottom bunk underneath there. So that would be an option too, just for a, a non heat source heat source.
1: Yep. Yeah, that would work good, too. Um, Another thing to consider is a camp stove. So for an extended blackout situation, depending on what you've got, I mean, you could use a whole house generator to run a stove. It's not ideal because it just pulls so much power. But... You could do that, or you could have like a Coleman camp stove that runs on either propane or the dual fuel um, white gas or gasoline. Um, At least that way you've got an outdoor cooking area. So one, especially like in the summer, right? If you have a hurricane and you want to make coffee, you don't want to do that in your house. Because if if you don't have a whole house generator, you're not going to have an air conditioner to keep the house cool. And just, you know, putting more heat into the house is not a good thing.
0: Mm-mm.
1: But having an outdoor cooking device like a camp stove, that's always something else to consider. But, anyway, th- there's a lot of this that we still got to deal with and get. Because, I mean, we have a blackout kit, but we don't have the... For some reason, we've lost all our flashlights from around <laughs> the bed.
0: Three little reasons.
1: And the, I mean, there's the box in the closet. It's there and it's got batteries in it, but
0: if you have children like ours, they will be enamored with the flashlights and at every chance they get, they will come steal them. I think that's one, been one of our struggles is figuring out how to have a system that's easily accessible. That's not easily accessible for our children. Like, we had a lockable door handle on there that you could just open with, like, a penny or if you had a small enough ring on your hand. But, unfortunately, our kids figured out how to open it very quickly. And they would just open it up and go in there and get whatever flashlight or candy out of the top of the closet. So, we've had to since add a, a key lock on that door, which is a little bit harder to get into. So
1: Now, as your kids grow up, you know... You want to teach them where these things are, what to do if there's a blackout. That way they can help. right? So if if your plan is to go get the generator when the power goes out, as long as it's safe outside to do so, well then show the kid where the central location is. Show them where the generator is. Maybe they're up before you are. Maybe they realize the power is out. They wake you up and while you're gaining your bearing they can go and Grab the generator out of the shed, you know. Teach them, incorporate that into what you've got. Make you a plan. You know, that's always a nice thing to do is document your plans, have them in a written location so you can go over them with your family. Um, but yeah, so th- this has been an episode about blackout kits.
0: And just another little thing, it might be a good idea if you do have really young children to make sure they have some sort of toy flashlight or little toy lantern that they can use during these times because it is a scary time and just them having something that you know the batteries aren't going to fall out like the dollar tree flashlights we've tried them they have the little button batteries a lot of times or the little parts that just fall right out and are choking hazard having something that they can have and that's that's really uplifting to them and helps them be a little bit more self-sufficient in a scary time too and can make it a little less chaotic if you already have those available and ready.
1: Yep, that's a good point. Um, But yeah, if you have any questions about blackout kits, feel free to contact us at Coals on the Coast at protonmail.com and we'll happily answer any questions that you have and send you to any other um, places that we may, any other resources that we might have. I will say that Jack Spearco of the Survival Podcast has covered this many times, but it's always something good to to revisit, to think about, and to improve upon. Um,
0: If you have done something a little different or have something that you have found useful in your blackout kit, make sure to let us know.
1: And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Um, We send out a newsletter every week as long as we're not out of town. And basically it's an update of what's going around the homestead and we'll let you know whenever the podcast hit. So if you're signed up with your email, you'll be the first to know. Um, also remember that uh, Charlie Small Engines is a mobile small engine company. If you live in the Foley or Baldwin County area, give us a call or visit us on our website and we can get you squared away. Um, and also don't forget that Jessica offers violin lessons. You can get in touch with her through the website or Kohl's on the Coast at ProtonMail.com and inquire on her prices and her availability. But until next time, thanks for listening. This has been Kohl's on the Coast.